Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Together for Equality podcast, the first of this academic year. Here we provide insights and share some ideas on how to build a more inclusive and equal society, be better professionals and build greater organizations. So go grab a coffee or some water and get ready to spend some time with us. My name is Fran and I will be talking to you about inclusive education from a student's perspective. I'll be bringing a special guest who will join me in discussing their experiences at school. We'll be diving into the topics of mental illness, the LGBTQIA community, being special needs student and more to find out what needs to be done by schools to create a safe space so all students can get the most out of their education. All of this without forgetting to look at the positive side, discussing the progress that has been made in the area of inclusivity as schools. To start us off, I'm going to be giving you a bit of an introduction to inclusive education. The modern idea of inclusive education is recognizing that students are different and therefore have different needs. Through the identification and meeting of these needs, all students will get the high quality education they deserve. In the past, inclusive education meant lumping together all students and treating them equally. Well, you might be thinking, isn't inclusivity treating everyone the same? Well, if you think about it, it's actually not. Let's use the example of neurodivergency. Imagine you have a small class of three people. One of them has dyslexia, the other two are neurodivergent. Thicker paper that is slightly colored is helpful to people with dyslexia because it facilitates reading. So you wouldn't give everyone normal white paper and you wouldn't give everyone colored thick paper as although equal, the students without dyslexia do not need the colored paper and the student with dyslexia finds it difficult to read on the thin white paper. Although there are some more major systematic changes that need to be made to achieve inclusive education, such as structural changes to schools to make sure that they're accessible to people with wheelchairs, there are so many small changes that make life easier for students. And making life easier means students are more comfortable at school and are more likely to take more from lessons and school in general. We will be talking more about these small changes that make a big difference. And now it's time to welcome our guest. Hello, how are we feeling today? Hi, great actually. Okay, so I've lined up a series of questions that I want to ask you, and feel free to ask me some too. This is just going to be a relaxed discussion. But before all that, tell me a bit about yourself. I'm from East Asia. I went to an all-girls school for 10 years. That includes my primary and my middle school years. Then for high school, I went to an international school, which I studied there for three years, and I currently live in Lisbon. Very cool. Just to give my context, I went to school in London for 13 years and I did my secondary education in a private all-girls school. So I will be speaking more about that experience specifically. So now that we've introduced ourselves, we're going to do the podcast ritual. Every episode, we ask our guests to leave a question for the next one. The last question was from Mara Sinch, who talked about the Girl Move Academy on the podcast. I recommend you listen to that episode. It was really, really interesting. And she asked, who is your role model and why? I personally do not have a role model. In fact, everyone is my role model. I learn from different peoples, also from books and experiences. So there isn't like a specific person or a specific thing. It's more of like the whole world can be my role model. I think that's actually a really interesting perspective. And I think the same way, like I feel like there's something you can always learn from everybody because people have different strengths and different weaknesses and we can always admire things in everybody. Um, and to start us off, what did you think of your school experience as a whole? Did you enjoy it and why would you say it practiced inclusive education? I would talk about my experience when I went to the international school, which was my high school. I did enjoy it a lot and I met all my best friends from there. It was the hardest time of my life though. 
in terms of self-seeking, but I've learned and grew a lot since then. My school was actually pretty open to different ideas. I also had classmates who did have extra classes after school because they were part of the inclusive education program. We all knew who they were, but no one really judged nor cared too much about it in order to make them feel more comfortable and more like they fit in the environment. Oh, that's great. I personally enjoyed my experience, even though it was very hard work all the time and quite a lot of pressure. But my school was actually quite liberal and taught me very early on about feminism, anti-racism, etc. So I feel like that made me very culturally aware and politically correct and also taught me how to make everyone feel comfortable and stand up for myself. I actually once even got a talk from Sir Ian McKellen, the actor who played Gandalf, who talked about the LGBTQIA community, which was really cool. Um, and they also celebrated people's cultures in something called Multicultural Evening. And this was basically an event where there was different food, dance and music from students from different places. And so everyone could participate in each other's activities to learn more about the cultures too, which I think is a really nice touch. My school was very tough on bullying and had a very stern anti-discrimination policy that they actually put into practice. The school was quite diverse and I'd say out of my group of 90 people, a safe 70% identified as being part of the LGBTQIA community. Um, and my school had some counselors too, to help with mental illness or people who were going through a rough time. Although this was obviously not the same as getting professional help. And they supplied bursaries, which was basically a part of the school fee that was paid off by the school, so people could sustain being there if they couldn't afford the whole fee. Um, and all around, the, I feel like my school did quite well, making sure that students felt comfortable and heard. They would also give extra help to students who took longer to understand certain topics and were always happy to explain something multiple times until students understood. And they were also, because the class sizes were quite small, small changes could be made if a student would need it. Okay, so the next question. What would you say were some problems you noticed students had at your school? I would say not just in my school, but most people around me, which attended other schools or even now when I'm in attending university. One of the things that I noticed the most is even including myself, I have this problem is how to be yourself, fully yourself in a situation or around people. Because sometimes we just don't know how to act in the perfect way if we are being ourselves. Therefore, we pretend to be someone else to act the perfect way. And that's something that I think it's a problem. Well, high school, I also had seen people experience bullying. I had a junior who actually lost her whole friend group in one day. And she was so sad she called me and we talked for a long time because uh, I understand how it feels like because when I was in the girls school I was being bullied and I never had any friends so I could imagine how she felt from having a lot of friends and being popular from one day to having nothing in the other day and most of that happened because she disagreed on something and um, she never replies to the group messages. But it makes no sense to me because her group messages have like 400 plus messages and she didn't read them or she didn't reply to them and she got kicked out of her group and got no friends the next day. And it was something that I find very shocking in my perspective, but also not surprised at all because um, most schools in 
the place I'm from actually had this problem all along. I just didn't expect it to be in an international school, which I thought it would be more different because they have more different, they're more multicultural, you mm -hmm. know? But no, the place where you're born or the place people are shapes you sometimes. And that's something, that's just a problem that will be there until someone actually changes it. Yeah. What do you think is the most important aspect of a school which practices inclusive education? most important aspects I will put it this way I only been to two schools in my life um, well three if you include kindergarten but I've only been into two schools that I remember um, and each school practices in a different way so there's no such thing that I could say it's an important aspect if I only have such a small view of how two schools do it, but not how most schools do it. I think one thing that they did that I really agreed on is not discriminate the student because they're like, they're like, oh, because um, they have ADHD, it's not their choice, you know? It's yeah. not something that they wanted it to happen to them. Like no one wants that to happen to them themselves, including me. I don't want to be, I don't want to be tagged as I have anxiety or I don't want to be yeah. tagged as these things. But it is who I am, and anxiety is me. I am anxiety. It's a part of me. And I think one thing that my school did well is that telling people that it's normal and it's okay to feel that way. We had um, one class or two classes about sex education, very important, mm -hmm. about um, mental health, about anxiety, about these things. Of course, you may say that, oh, but they didn't do a great job but at least they tried. Yeah. It's better than not giving any education towards these aspects at all. So I think, honestly, that's my opinion, but everyone has different opinions and everyone has been through different things in their life. No one is the same in yeah. that way of, I have experienced everything you have experienced. So I'm in no position to talk about what's the most important aspects of a school who, which practices inclusive education. But I could only say from my perspective what I think the schools did a good job. What do you think is like a characteristic of an inclusive school? Like what can they do? A school that practices inclusive education. I think that one of the most important points they do is educate the students that there are people that do not reach the normal standards in statistics and there are people that are unique and special in their own ways and that we should all accept it and we should just like understand it but not trying to like go against it or anything. Yeah. Okay, so the question was, what do you think is the most important aspect of a school which practices inclusive education? And I think that it's having staff who's ready to listen and learn and who can adapt their way of teaching or can think of good ways to support students in the ways necessary. Also, I think that training for the staff about neurodivergency, special needs, anti-racism and the LGBTQI community is very important so that when students do come to talk to them about their needs, that they understand them and know what to do about them. Um, for example, if a student comes to a teacher wanting them to start calling them by different pronouns, the teacher will know what that is and will be able to start calling them by their desired pronouns immediately and will understand what that means. This means that the student will be much more likely to come and talk to them if they need any more help and will end up feeling a lot more comfortable in the class. 
Um, and I feel like awareness is very powerful. And another example is if a student has ADHD, they may use fidgeting as a way to increase their focus or maybe taking short breaks could be helpful. And this may look initially like the student is um, like not paying attention in, the, in a bad way or like they're a bad student. But that those are assumptions that we make for neurotypical people when in reality, the student is just doing what is best for them so that they can make the most of that class. And if the teacher does not understand this, then they would tell them to stop fidgeting and that would actually be detrimental to the education of the student. Um, and small things like this make the environment so much more comfortable for students when they feel heard and listened to and more comfortable. I would like to start about the government from the place where I'm from. They once sent a message through an app that most people had, which includes most students and some parents. And what they sent was about, about everyone who isn't straight or think that they might be attracted to the same sex are recommended or should go to the psychologist. But they recalled the message after two days when everyone was complaining. And also the other reason was because there isn't enough psychologists in the place where I'm from to deal with such situations. I guess it was pretty normal for some people because we, the place where I'm from, most people aren't really accepting to these ideas. And they weren't really surprised. But the main thing that they were surprised about was how are the psychologists going to deal with it when there's such lack of psychologists in the place where I'm from. Yeah. That was the only issue. But for me and my friends, our issue was like, why are we tagged as having problems yeah. because of our sexuality? Yeah. It makes no sense. It's not something we chose to be, you know? Yeah. It's not something that either you're bisexual or lesbian. It's not something that you chose to be. It's just you're just attracted to yeah. the same sex or you're just attracted to both same and opposite sex. Or if you're pen, you're attracted to mm, Just probably people. people yeah exactly and it's not something that it's in your control but yeah I think that was a scenario but not gonna lie that day when my friend told me she was like she she almost dropped her phone she went like she called my name and I was like what's up and she's like look at your phone right now I looked and I guess everyone was super shocked. Like, even when I called my other friends, they were also super shocked about it. I guess that's the reason why the government decided to recall the two messages. Like, that's the reason why I think the government recalled the messages too, was because everyone was really shocked in some sense. Did they have a ban on being LGBTQIA? I don't think they have a ban. But I'll put it this way, like, it's a culture sometimes, you know, it's not really that open or open to change, I'll yeah. put it this way, or it's a very new idea to the older generation. And sometimes they just need time to accept it. And some of them just don't want to accept it. And there's nothing we can do about it. I feel like when you hear about homophobia, it's very different to the first time that you experience it from something that you kind of not look up to but think of as your authorities 
when you hear it coming from an authority, even though people tell you not to think too much about it, there's a part of your brain that goes, is there really an issue with me? Um, and I've had some encounters with people who have, for example, given dirty looks or said a, a word like like a, a slur or something. That's just mean. But that's different to when it comes in such a calculated form as a message. Yeah. But respect doesn't matter when you're being homophobic. <laughs> that is true. The first time I told my parents about it, they both were so shocked. They were about to scream at me and they told me, I don't think this is normal or I think you should go see a psychologist, just like how the government did. And I was like, why do I have to go see a psychologist? I don't get it. Mm -hmm. So yeah, that was very hard for me at first. It's so hard when you open up and you're vulnerable to people that you care about. And they think it's a problem. Yeah. Because it's it, like people don't realize that it takes a lot to come to people and say it. Mm -hmm. Because you're worried about your relationship with them. You're worried about what they're going to think. You're worried about what they're going to say. And of course it takes like a lot of calculated time. It's not just something quick. And when people turn you down after you literally put down all your walls, it's horrific. I think the hardest part was I don't really care about what others think of me except the people that I really love. Yeah. And when the people that I really love don't even want to accept me as I am, that is when the pain comes up. Like you, It feels like you're being torn into yeah. pieces and you just don't know who will ever accept you yeah. because not even the people who you love and love you back would accept that side of you. And that's something that I struggled a lot with too. Yeah. And what do you think can be done by schools to increase awareness of the LGBTQIA community? And how early do you think people should start learning about it? I don't know how early because it's a whole other set of education. Like we were always taught when we were kids, like boys like blue color and girls like pink color. But when you grow older, I think, I think it's the best to start these things is when we start to have a sense of who we are, who we truly are. Like I only knew who I truly was or started to self search when I was at about 13. And that's when a lot of problems came up too. And that's when a lot of struggles also came up and I had to go through them. But I think one thing that schools can do or what people can do is telling you that it's okay not to reach statistics, normal standards. It's okay that you are who you are and it's not your fault. Not saying that, oh, being a bad person or anything or being like, quote it as bad, you know, yeah. but more of like, it's okay to be who you are. It's okay for everything. Yeah. And so that it's, it will make it easier for you to accept yourself firstly, and for other people to know that, oh, these things are actually normal or not really normal, but know more about the world because a lot yeah. of people can be ignorant in some ways. Yeah. 
And I'm not trying to tag anyone or anything because we would never know everything about the world. We will always keep learning. And that's the fun part of life. Yeah. I think it's so important that early on people learn about couples that are two women, couples who are non-binary, couples where one is non-binary, one is like a like a woman. It, it like just having that representation in a textbook, like a little picture, I don't know, in like a Spanish textbook where it's like, oh, the two wives <laughs> sat down for a tea or something like that. Just so that people know that that's a possibility and they see that in front of their eyes. For me, it took me so long because I just didn't know. I was in school, they taught us about LGBT people as a kind of foreign group, like as if it was a like something like a like a as if it was a group of people that were like little aliens um, and that were like kind of not really a minority. They were just like these people are there. Like and I knew about them, but I didn't know that that could be me. It was kind of like a foreign thing, and it was taught as if like as if it was a species of of alien or animal or something, um, and not something that I could personally identify with or or kind of see myself as. And then when I kind of realized, oh, couples of hard. two women are really cute. I was I never had this kind of like representation because these little things on like the the like just girly things I don't know if you remember those little yes. Instagram posts used to have like ah oh, boyfriend and girlfriend and like I used to eat that up I used to save all of those pictures I was like oh so cute because I didn't know any better and no one ever showed me any cute like <laughs> stupid but like a cute like couple inspiration from from other places and I feel like that it sounds quite dumb but just having representation in little places just to show people that it's like that's an option for you not as in these people exist and here you are learning about them as if it's like a, a fictional thing um is so important for young people trying to find out who they are because then it kind of sets a clean slate instead of having something that you kind of have to veer off the main path. Like, I, I don't want to be veering off the main path. I want there to be multiple paths. So now moving on to the topic of mental health. In the schools that you've been in, how have they dealt with that? And what was their opinion on it? I'll start from the smaller things first. For example, I, I had anxiety for a really long time. I had it since I was in primary three and that was actually the first time I went to a psychologist but ever since I've went to a psychologist and the school knew about it or people knew about it I was always tagged with oh she's this girl with a disease or she's ill and I was really sad about it when I was a kid especially when adults would actually say that, oh, just don't mind her, she's sick. That was something that I struggled a lot with. I only told my school, actually my parents told my school um, when I used to go to an all-girls school in primary and middle school, because it's connected. So when I was there, my parents told the school and that's when 
a lot of problems came past. I started getting comments on, oh, it's just because she is ill or, oh, it's because she has a disease. And these type of comments make me feel like I was abnormal. It made me feel like, why am I sick? But it's not something that I wanted to experience. It's not my choice. And that was something that my school did not do well with. Yes, they did. They did give me counseling. Like, there were school counselors back then. And they did take me and talk to me. But they did it in a very obvious way that my whole class would oh, see horrible. it. They would call me during math class, I remember once. Oh, that's horrific. They were like, like oh, uh, they talked to my teacher and my teacher was smiling, oh, okay, you can take her. And then they took me and they made it so obvious when I already was being commented on like, oh, she is ill. And that made it even worse. Mm. So what happened was like, when I moved schools and I moved to the international school, I didn't tell anyone mm. that I had problems like that except my closest friends and nobody knew about it because I did not want to go through what I went through in my past school and I just wanted a fresh new start. What do you think that schools can do or your school could have done to make students with mental illness feel more comfortable kind of being at the school? Firstly, feeling anxious is not something you can control and anxiety is here to help you sometimes. Like in my old school, that was actually quite a good thing that we had. People were quite open with what were, what they were feeling. Like if someone had anxiety, they could just feel comfortable telling like the students. Like, oh guys, like I have anxiety, I'm gonna go take a break or something. To answer the question, what can schools do to make students with mental illness feel comfortable? I'd probably say that not judging a book by its cover, something that seems like it's very obviously something a bad student would do, like walking out of class all of a sudden, like not doing not doing homework for some days straight, like may have reasons behind them that are not visible to the naked eye. Like someone could be having a panic attack. Um, someone could, for example, someone could walk out of class because they're about to have a panic attack and need to get to a place alone fast or haven't been able to do their homework due to depression, which has actually happened to me before. Um, and it's not out of laziness. It's just you can't do things. And I can't explain it very well. But having had depression, it just feels like you are incapable of doing those things. And no matter how hard you try, there's kind of a limit put to your productivity. It's terrible, and it's the same as having a physical disease, but it's just in your head. Uh, to give an example from my old school, um, if someone wanted to go to the bathroom, the teacher would sometimes say, oh no, can't you wait, the lesson is nearly over, or wait until the next person comes back, or can't you wait five minutes, or can't you wait 10 minutes? And if someone is feeling a panic attack coming on, Finding a place alone or going with a friend to somewhere quiet could be the difference between having a panic attack or avoiding it. Also, teaching students to recognize panic attacks or depression could help them avoid a lot of fear. Um, and now what were some good things that your school has done related to inclusive education or just making students feel comfortable? I didn't really know about how my old school did it, but my international school, they 
just like how I said, they actually did like take care of those that are in need. And they do, did give them extra classes after school to make them understand the concepts in a different way or in an easier way that that makes them, not really in an easier way, but in a way that the person can understand it easier compared to us who are like not with ADHD. As I said, um, the school was very open about it. The school was very open about everything. I had seniors who were very open to ADHD, the fact that they had ADHD. Like once I, I remember I find this guy pretty good looking. I asked my friend, ooh, who's that guy? And she's like, oh, that's the guy from AD, who has ADHD from the next grade, you know? And everyone was okay with it. They're like, yeah, he has ADHD. Like it's normal, you know? And that's something that I felt really comfortable about is that people don't really give you tags in some ways. Yeah, in tags some ways, like, yeah, he's the person who is very open about his ADHD, but not in a tag like, oh, my God, he has ADHD. He's a problematic one, you know, but more of like, yeah, that's a part of him. Yeah. But of course, some people might feel uncomfortable. And when people feel uncomfortable about it, they tell the teacher or they tell everyone, everyone will kind of be respectful about it yeah there are some people who would act in not a very nice way but they will still shut up about it because they do show mutual respect to one another even though it's very nice to have representation of like people who have adhd and have people talk about it and make it seem like the normal thing that it is it is also very case-by-case basis because some people might just not be comfortable with other people knowing that they have for example, autism, or if they have dyslexia, or something, just because of personal things that they're, they're dealing with related to that, they might not have fully accepted that, they might not have come to terms with, for example, I don't know, being being gay or something, and they might not be ready to have that spread to everyone, but it's just sensing what the person likes. And now for the penultimate question, what do you think is the future of inclusive education, and how can we get there? I think there will be more methods and ways of teaching different types of students with different types of needs that's really interesting. in inclusive education and that's a very good thing well of course like we will never be perfect so we will always be improving in a sense and we'll always be knowing more about the world or more about different things you know so i think how we're gonna get there it's more of like a process and it's hard to predict how the future will be because for example our generation more people are anxious now because of social media it's one of the causes to anxiety so it's not something that I can say what types of like how will the inclusive education look like when there will be different types of problems popping up in the future and different yes we can in the future definitely like most more most likely to be ha- developing methods to deal with current problems but not the future problems so i do not know how the future will look like but i know that people will start accepting different type of things more and education is going to improve in terms of like lgbtq plus more people are going to know about it or more people will know about that a lot of people have adhd too a lot of people have anxiety and it's completely normal and it's completely okay to have your own to have your own unique problems and to be who you are and for me i think that in the future we would use a lot more technology 
Through having a system where students can put details about themselves, that would be kept confidential and only available to the school staff that teaches them specifically, or that will be helpful, for example, the counsellor if they need it. They can enter details that they would think would be helpful for the staff to know about them. So imagine if a student is prone to anxiety attacks. They can just write it on the system, and then if they suddenly walk out of class because they think they're going to have an anxiety attack, the teacher knows that that is the case, and so they won't penalise them for that, or they won't send people after them if they don't want that because some people prefer a lot more to be alone and it may cause extra stress if they are with someone. Um, and this actually creates a much needed element of comfort in that situation. And especially when school is kind of the, the primary place that we exist in, in our kind of young lives, I think it's so important to be able to feel comfortable in these situations um, because in reality, people who are prone to anxiety attacks will have various in their school, in their time at school. Another example is if a student has ADHD, they can just write it on the system that they prefer a certain method of homework that would be more beneficial for them. Instead of reading a text, they could get it in video form or in audio form. Just simple things like changing the format could be very helpful to someone who is going to be sitting and absorbing that information and might not be helpful to them. Because the main thing that anyone is trying to get out of education is having the best for the student, and teachers ultimately want their students to learn. So by changing these small things, it could make a giant difference. And that's the last question that I have. And now before you leave, what is the question that you want to leave with the next guest? I would like to ask the next guest who or what you are grateful for in your life and why. Thank you so much. That's a great question. I'm excited to hear what the next guest has to say. And thank you so much for coming on the podcast. We loved having you here. Feel free to reach out to us on our social media accounts and let us know your opinions. You'll find us at Equality in Business on LinkedIn, Facebook and Instagram. See you in two weeks for our next episode. And until then, have fun and stay curious.